Hello and welcome to The Lag, the show from New Game Plus, where we discuss the games too old to be new and too new to be retro. I, after a month break, am back. I'm Alex, the deputy editor of New Game Plus, and I'm here as ever with New Game Plus editor-in-chief, Ollie. Say hello. Hello. And today we have joining us writer for Enemy and the Gamer, Demi Williams. Say hello. Hi everyone. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. <laughs> We're very happy for you to be here too, as today we are taking a little bit of a step back and discussing Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. So let's dive right in. Let's do it. Ooh. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. Um, okay, so I haven't been freelancing for very long. I only started in like July of last year. That's when I got my first paid byline. So I'm still pretty fresh to the whole freelancing gig, but it's been going well. And I have bylines with Games Radar, Enemy and The Gamer. And I've just graduated uni last year unofficially my ceremonies in July. I just graduated with a bachelor's in journalism so I'm kind of just headed in that direction but yeah that's basically what I'm doing right now freelancing. Amazing and congrats on graduating. I'm, I'm right there with you. We love to see it. <laughs> it's like a breath of fresh air. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to Resident Evil games are you a big fan of the series? Have you played all of them? A few of them? some of them i've played the most popular ones so like resident evil original and then the hd remasters and then um resident evil 2 and 3 on playstation 1 and the remakes of those and 7 and 8 so i haven't really played 5 or 6 or like revelations or any of those ones just like the main re games did you play 4 oh yeah 4, four I forget yeah. About that. one of the best <laughs> yes very good. You're a big fan, right, Ollie? Oh yeah, I played the entire series pretty much. Um, apart from Revelations, actually, I haven't played that much of Revelations, so that's my blind spot when it comes to Resi. But uh, yeah, I've played. I sort of got into the series quite a few years ago. I'd already played a couple when I was a kid, but um, I think it was about it was around the time that Resi Seven was was coming out. Um, I sort of went and played through the entire series. And then the the re they brought out the remakes of two and three, which sort of re I guess reinvigorated a sort of interest in the in the series. And now it's like it's extremely popular as it once was in its heyday, which is really nice to see. This this was my first ever foray into Resident Evil, right in at number seven. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good place to start, I think. It honestly is. I mean, considering that it is the first of a trilogy within the franchise i didn't feel too guilty it's resident evil but like to the side it's a little sidestep yeah yeah in the resident evil series absolutely i guess like it, it might be important to sort of set a little uh developmental backdrop to the to the game because you have to sort of think about the state that resi was in when resi 7 came out the game previous to resi 7 resident evil 6 was uh not the most popular entry to the series we'll admit um it's it went a little bit too actiony, a little bit too ridiculous. Where you know, Resi games have always gone a little bit ridiculous, but I think uh, for a lot of people, um, Resident Evil Six wasn't particularly that interesting of a game. Um, it was, I think, it just went a little bit too like arcadey, actiony, which a lot of people were kind of disappointed in. They wanted uh, a more like true to its roots uh, survival horror experience. 
you know, when they came to design Resident Evil 7, I think it was about five years after, three or four years after uh, Resi 6, they decided, like, let's hit a sort of soft reboot on this game. Uh, let's sort of go back to the game's roots. Uh, let's let's get, like, a proper, you know, intimate location, close, like, you know, first-person perspective. We'll do, like, a proper survival horror pretty scary experience uh, and sort of like shock people i guess because uh, i think going from resi 6 to resi 7 is quite gives you quite a bit of whiplash in, in the sense <laughs> that there's like such a big difference in tone and presentation um, between the games so i'm curious like alex how you felt like with this being your first resident evil game i'm curious like what your impressions of it were um, as a newcomer to the series overall i i really had a good time uh, with Resi 7 I thought it was really interesting and I I mean I have some not so issues but like I have some other things to say about it but like overall I really enjoyed the gameplay and I really enjoyed specifically the like horror curve and the tension curve of it it is one of few horror games that's actually made me make sounds that are absolutely inhumane <laughs> like <laughs> I I sounded absolutely monstrous playing this game because I was terrified. And I think that's a very good thing. Absolutely, yeah. It is. It is. Um, because because I played, like, just, like, the, the most popular Resident Evil games, just diving into 7 was just, like, a weird experience because it was first person and it, it didn't feel like a Resident Evil game, but it was a Resident Evil game. I was like, am I playing Outlast? <laughs> but... It had like those horror elements that I love so much about Resident Evil that just like hooked me. Like that I do have issues with the game, but I think it, it survives by itself with like the tension and the atmosphere and the characters. I think it just did like a really great job and it's such a perfect game if you want to get into the series. I think it's a really interesting point you brought up about it, uh, like sort of not being a Resident Evil game, but it also kind of is because I think... Yeah. You definitely, you especially in the first couple of hours, um, if you're familiar with the Resident Evil series, there's like so much, uh, there's so much of that that's been taken away from the game, like the, you know, the traditional elements, particularly from the first original trilogy. Like you, you would only, if you only played the first few hours of Resi 7, you would sort of think, okay, well, it's scary. That's about it, really. Um, there's not really yeah. much that much different, but... Resi 7 still does like have all the ingredients of a Resident Evil game. So it has the safe rooms, it has puzzles, it has, you know, sort of close quarters locations where you have to conserve ammo to defeat enemies and things like that. It has bosses that turn into giant freakish monsters. <sighs> you know, it's like those are those are like the elements I think that make up a Resident Evil game. Yeah. But like at the and Resi 7 has all that, but at the same time it it like it disguises it a lot much better than say resi 6 did or resi 5 did i think it's a, a really interesting way of sort of uh keep keeping the series identity intact but also sort of twisting it a bit and uh, subverting your expectations a little bit so were the other resi games not first person this this is no this is the first um this is the first resi game that was first person i think like the kind of way capcom wanted to do it was that like they'd have the original trilogy which were like fixed camera survival horrors and then there's a, like a second trilogy, which is four, five, and six, um, which is sort of like third person, actiony, kind of ridiculous kind of games. And then I think for seven, eight, and then whatever nine comes out, I think like those will be first person. Hmm. 
That's really interesting. Like at the time when it was announced at E3 and it was like Resident Evil 7 and everyone was losing their minds because it was a first person game. I was like, oh no, are they going to try and do the survival horror for first person thing like Outlast did? And I was really worried because, you know, Resident Evil is like traditionally third person fixed mm. camera angles, like you said. But then when playing it, I was just happy that they took that direction because it like kind of re revitalized the, the franchise in a way because you know five and six were received so poorly <laughs> and mm. i was just so happy that Re resident evil was finally you know getting the player base back in like a new way and more players were like experiencing it for the first time too yeah definitely i think i didn't make the outlast comparisons because i still haven't actually played outlast but i think a lot of people were drawing comparisons to pt um playable teaser on the uh, uh, on yeah. ps4 um uh, but funnily enough, uh, Resi 7 started development before PT even existed, so... Obviously, I've, having not played the other games, I can't really compare the perspective shift, but I do really think it's used so well in, in this game. Like, I think it really heightens the sense of... It is very well done, and I think sometimes when it's in a first-person perspective, you just have that extra sense. Like, the fact that you can play this in VR, I would, I would love to play this in VR, but I know that I would get, like... <sighs> maybe an hour in and then just be way too terrified to ever pick up again yeah it's a really good way of forcing that perspective onto you where you really can't you can't escape it i remember trying it in vr i think it was the demo that they released and it was the scariest thing i've ever experienced in my <laughs> life and i was just like no i'll just play it on ps4 no vr no thank you goodbye i don't blame you I wish I could play it in VR. I have a I have a, a a quest an Oculus Quest too, but it's a PlayStation VR exclusive. So I'm sad that oh it is, isn't it? Don't get to experience that, unfortunately. I think one of the big reasons this game just like exudes so much like really well crafted horror environments is the fact that it's built in a new engine. It's built in the RE engine. Um, yeah. which Capcom built like specifically for this game uh, and I think it's sort of like it's just so create like so uh, impressive how like m how much detail they managed to pack into the environments with this new engine funnily enough it's called the RE engine but it's not actually the RE doesn't actually stand for Resident Evil it stands for Reach for the Moon I don't know why that is so strange <laughs> I found that out recently as well and I was so confused I have no idea why but they've used it for they've used it for Devil May Cry um, 5 in addition to like all the Resident Evil games that have released since 7 so I guess like it's their like new engine now that they're going to use for a lot more games I think they're using it for something else now but I can't remember what I do uh, I do love the RE engine because it, it it just brings the horror to like to life like it's more realistic and especially playing when you're playing uh, Resident Evil 7 and it's first person and you can see all those details and like compared to the other games with like pre-rendered backgrounds mm. it was just like a new step it did like make that game as effective there are some parts of the game aren't there where it just like it looks so realistic it looks like yeah. it could be a real photo especially at the dinner table with all the, the oh yeah the gross it's, that's food. disgusting <laughs> it does look very nice i mean maybe not nice <laughs> maybe that's the wrong word to use but it 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 does its job that's for sure and um yeah actually i think it links quite nicely into one of the big strengths you've sort of touched on ollie already the fact that it's quite a localized setting is really nice because it gives you that chance to like really get to know the area and figure out where you're going and let the sort of 
scares happen around you because you know there's certain things waiting around certain corners or in the upstairs room or whatever and I think that's one of the biggest strengths of this game yeah absolutely yeah I think it's perfect that you get to sort of know this area quite like quite well as 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 like its own character almost throughout the entire game the baker mansion and the like surrounding areas because particularly you know you're always you're going to be backtracking through this area quite a lot you're going to be going you know the game sort of has you going backwards and forwards between different buildings and different rooms and you sort of get to know the layout of it quite well it helps that it's not actually like a massive building per se it's actually quite um it's quite it's quite a small building i guess um for a, like mm-hmm. for a video game like house or whatever mm. um so it's it's quite nice that you sort of get to learn these areas quite quickly and um like they find ways to you know if you sort of play the game over like a 9 or 10 hour playthrough uh, you sort of get to know these areas quite well over that time and it, they manage to sort of fill fill in a good chunk of that time of you just backtracking through these familiar areas and finding new ways to interact with it yeah, I was glad that they picked just a traditional house for the setting because I was worried that it'd be a, like a large expansive area that you had to like explore and come across like these different places. But when it's just in a house and you get to <laughs> familiarize yourself with the house and it like the tension that builds up to the scares, especially, it's just way more effective than if it was like in a big open area. The mansion in the original, that's like one of the most effective settings. So I'm glad that they just stuck with one. Like in, I don't want to go back to Outlast, but Outlast is a massive setting. So the the scale down just felt felt more like real. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the fact that we get to enjoy like this mansion setting so much and like, you know, some of the surrounding areas like the, um, the old house and things like that and yeah. the greenhouse. Um, but then like, as soon as you leave the you know you get to like the you know two-thirds of the way through the game you actually leave the mansion and you have like a big like chunk of the game left and it's just not as interesting like the ship that, it's so boring yeah, i agree i agree like that was the biggest problem i had with the game i was having like so much fun just exploring this house and like the uh, the guest house that when we left to go to the ship i was like what's what's happening <laughs> How much of the game do I have left? And now I have to explore a big ship. I wasn't really a fan of the way it like diverted with the plot. Like I, I didn't mind the story. It was just the fact that it made me go to a ship and then do more exploring and fight more of these gooey monsters. Like I'd, I'd much prefer to stay in the house for the rest of the game. It's just so boring, the ship. It's like, yeah. it's just, it's long and like you spend a lot of the time like in that level without a weapon. Yeah. Oh. I don't care for it that much. <laughs> I, I completely agree as well. And one of the things... I really liked about the the house as a setting is it kind of plays into again the uncanny it's a sort of I mean it's not a normal house it's still quite extravagant but at the end of the day it's a house that you kind of are familiar with but it's just wrong yeah you know you open a fridge and it's like full of goo and (laughs) gunk which (laughs) makes you feel ill and you know you have all the doors that are just completely barred shut with wire it just feels really wrong and then you go to a ship which, first of all, it just felt really strange that nobody noticed that giant ship just, like, down the road or <laughs> down the waterway. Like, that everyone's sort of like, huh, weird that there's a ship here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's really weird. We were just in a house by the bayou and now we're, I don't know. I just found it very strange and sort of just lessened that sense of uncanny that's really good for, for any horror game. And it just was 
it was a bit disappointing. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they. I'm not still sure if they ever addressed the fact that that ship is just like gone on like untouched for the last couple of years. Uh, I know that like they they have a lab, don't they? Like they have like a sort of lab area in the mines that's right next to the ship, um, which is sort of uh, plays into that whole part of the story. And then you know they've got the whole thing with like the bakers kidnapping people that come into the area over those last couple of years, which also might be part of it. Um, but I I it's, I definitely don't think they uh, sort of they didn't have to go too far with that. I suppose and it's like I guess like every every area of like even like in all the other Resident Evil games, like there tends to be this one area that everyone loves and then you sort of go to like a lab or some kind of weird area like afterwards that isn't as good. Like I'm thinking of the, like Resident Evil 2 is set in a police station for most of it, but then like in the last third of the game or so you go into an underground lab and it's just interesting. (laughs) That's a really good comparison because like playing Resident Evil 2 Remake, I was like, this police station is so cool. It has so many like hidden areas but then when we had to leave, I was like, mm. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I want to keep exploring the police station. I want to keep getting chased by Mr. X in the police station. Honestly, yeah, it's like every every resi has that. Shall we move on to the story and hear what hear what people think about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Okay, I'll I'll start. I actually was quite surprised by how much I enjoyed the plot overall. I feel like it may have been me being bad, but I kind of just hadn't assumed Resident Evil at all had hugely interesting stories. I thought it was like, what we're going to focus on is the survival horror and the horror and the story will kind of come secondary to that. But I actually really enjoyed it. I, honestly, me too. Yeah, especially like, I mean, it's it's very impressive coming off the back of Resi 6, which I think yeah, like any anything could be topped. <laughs> anything <laughs> could top Resi 6. But I think it was very impressive, um, like uh, just coming off the back of that, how much they managed to make everything a little bit more intimate. Uh, we've, we've already talked about the setting, but like even even in the story so much, it's like, you know, like Resi- Resident Evil's always this big, this been this game about like fighting like big monsters and like lots and lots of enemies and you know all that kind of stuff but i think in resi 7 it's a little bit more like this it's a lot smaller scale in terms of like scope like you you're not particularly fighting that many enemies over the course of the game and you're not there aren't that even that many bosses overall there's like four bosses or something like that from start to finish so it's it's quite a nice uh it's quite a nice like a uh, way to scale things back a bit um the story is like you know very scaled back as well in terms of like you're just a guy looking for his wife and like think bad things happen to you um <laughs> it's and you know considering the whole series is usually but typically been about like you know you're a you're like an anti-terrorism anti-bioterrorism soldier you know who has to like go through all these different like undercover operations and you know behind enemy lines kind of things to sort of you know go through armies and armies of people to get to like your goal and in this one it's just like you're just an ordinary person um you know it's it's very much scaled back in like the kind of character you're playing as and i think a lot of people say i've heard a lot of people say that they just find ethan winters really boring but i think uh <laughs> I think it's kind of it's kind of nice to have an, a resi protagonist that isn't like a cop or a you know like a scientist or anything like that. Yeah, I agree with that. But when it comes to like story in horror games, I much prefer it over the like the actual combat and like the survival of it. Like I love horror, so when I'm playing a horror game, I expect to be you know 
absorbed in the horror elements and the story and the characters so I'm glad that Resident Evil 7 took the story a more focused direction than it did with the survival even though it is still there. When it comes to Ethan I don't hate him he's just his reactions to things I don't I don't know if it's like the localization like when he sees something terrifying he just yells and moves on to the next thing <laughs> um but when it was like when you play as like leon or jill they're like constantly you know remarking what's going on around them but with ethan he's just you know nonchalant about it i have to go find mia oh the 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 guy turned into a big blob monster oh no <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's like come on ethan have some personality but I, I, I didn't hate him by any means, and I, I'm glad that he was more, like, neutral with the story. Um, when it's, like, a first-person game, it's supposed to be you experiencing the game, even though there is a character behind the, the control. But yeah, I, I did really like the story, even if it did take a weird direction in the finale. I, I still really enjoyed the. Mm, I was I was just about to say that was probably my only... Maybe not necessarily a flaw in the actual narrative where obviously we've already say spoilers we say spoilers every time we do a podcast but spoilers <laughs> when you realize that the old woman that you've already seen is evie because right at the end it's it's very 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 heavily signposted so that you figure out before they say it yeah to the point that they basically just say it anyway and i feel like the the writers definitely wanted to make it feel like an original uh, thought in your head being like oh let's leave some clues so that the player can figure it out on their own but just weren't subtle enough about it as they have been with other things they leave around that let you kind of figure out why you know Evie has these powers and the such like that's done quite subtly when it needs to be and then is more explicit when it needs to be and then right at the end they go hmm yeah let's ignore that yeah and I just think it's it's such a, a such a shame because they were doing it so well and then they just sort of drop it at the last minute well they actually tell you um they actually tell you at the very beginning that um that like the old watch out for the old lady um i don't know if you noticed but there's a there's a bit in the guest house uh, right at the beginning when you rescue mia from her cell and you can pick up a picture and it's like a polaroid of um the old lady um and you flip it over and it's got like it's got like the code name of like whatever like bio creation she was like on the back, which basically tells you like the old lady is the is the is the monster all along. Um, but I don't oh. think you like I don't think you really like unless you're really like observant about it. I don't think you really pick up on that until like you go back to the guest house at the very end and then you pick up the photo and realize oh, I see what they mean now by that. I never knew that was a thing that you can find in the game. I thought it was just like you see the the grandmother in the wheelchair just like placed around the house and I just thought it was like creepy set piece lady that just mm -hmm. popped up every once in a while to for like scares but when it was revealed that it was actually Evelyn I was it it was cool but it didn't really like shock me the way um the story of the bakers did because the the story of the bakers is so tragic i find oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah it's 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 like that there's that bit when uh when ethan's in like the mold inside the ship and he has that sort of like sideways like flash sideways i guess you could call it uh, uh he's, he speaks to jack from like beyond the grave and jack basically says to them like you know it's not our fault she got into our heads and made us do things we didn't want to do 
And like it's at that point that I just think, oh man, I feel so bad for Jack and his yeah, family. Yeah, I felt sorry for them as well. Mm. Even though throughout the game, I was just like, die, you horrible <laughs> man, you horrible woman, leave me alone. But when it was revealed that they weren't in control, I just felt really bad. And it, it was like a really great reveal because mm-hmm. you you just think like throughout the game of this weird family's trying to kill me because of like this weird infection that they have. But when they actually use that as like a plot point and it was like the bakers didn't know what they were doing, it is it was really effective for the story and maybe like brought it to like a, a higher point in my view. I have like a theory that like there's the bit at the very start of the game when when you're first running away from Jack and you have to get into the manhole in the ground and uh, he grabs you and he like cuts your leg off and then he gives you he gives you the little uh, the little vial of health like the health potion thing and uh, he lets you he just gives you he like sits back and just like let, gives you time to sort of fix yourself put your put your leg back on as uh, as they say and i i had this theory that like that was um that was like the real jack like sort of fighting to sort of give ethan a chance to survive um oh. rather than like give it into his more like like the the urges that evelyn has sort of implanted into his head it feels like there'd be sort of like certain moments in the game where um it might be that jack was sort of like fighting his other self for control I can see that. That's a really good feeling, actually. I never thought of it like that. Neither. I feel like this is, again, one of the big things I I like about the game is there's so much more value added in replays. Whereas sometimes, you know, when you finish, especially when it's like a horror game, when you finish the story, you have no incentive to kind of go back again. It's like, oh, playing this again, knowing the plot points, knowing where the narrative unfolds doesn't seem like it's going to add anything. I can't be bothered to replay it. There's no point. Biohazard lets you replay it because you have all these things that you now know. And like, for example, you can go and you'd find that photo and you'd be like, oh, they were telling me about Evie all along. I just didn't realize it. Or like you have that moment with Jack and you can go, oh, maybe this is that. And I feel like there's a lot of subtle things that could be pointing to things you later find out in the game. And like, I want to replay it with these revelations in mind and find new things, which very few other horror games make me want to do. Resident Evil is designed to be replayed, I suppose. Like, this is this is the case with all of the games. Like, they always give you, like, these fun little unlockables to get, sort of, like, tempt you to go back and replay them. So I think, like, I think every Resident Evil game has, like, an infinite ammo like thing you can unlock after the like you beat the game uh, in seven it's when you beat the game on the highest difficulty but like on others you can just buy it as like an unlockable at the end of the game so it's like it's sort of like capcom saying to you hey you can replay the game now and you can play around with all these awesome like new unlockable items and weapons and stuff and costumes and things like that and in the case of some of the 3d uh, some of the third person ones um, but i think it's also a way for them to say like oh yeah we want you to experience our story again um, because there's like so much you might have missed the first time around so like we'll just throw you a bone and give you all this cool shit to do as well while you're <laughs> re-experiencing the story i have a question if if we're happy to sidestep from the story it's still related to the story yeah but i'm curious what sort of boss fight or what section did you find the most scary i'd have to say the beginning hour for sure because i had no idea what i was getting myself into <laughs> <laughs> because I'd, I'd played the demo previously so i was like oh creepy mannequins in the loft uh weird fuse that weird fuses that we have to find 
go in an underground cellar, yeah, got it. But when you actually play the game, it's not like that. It's different. So I was glad that they diverted uh, my expectations. It was it was just the build-up of the tension. Like, you, you find yourself in this bayou with a creepy house. You go in looking for your wife. Nothing happens. It's just silent all the way through. And then you find her finally in the cellar and then she turns into a monster and tries to kill you three times. And it was like some of the best tension building I've ever like played in a game. It was so effective and it really brought the atmosphere for like later on in the game. So yeah, I'd have to say the beginning hour. So cool. It was a very good opening. Like so good. Yeah, the first the, the opening hour of Resi Seven, I would say, is like one of the strongest openings to any horror game. I guess like the, just that yeah. whole first section in the guest house is just incredible. The way it's paced and the design of the you know the enemy design of uh, like fighting against Mia and things like that. When she just like she you know she just like cuts your arm off, like all that kind of stuff. It's just like horrible but amazing that at the same was time. Crazy. <laughs> I would say that my like favorite like boss section of the game is probably uh the marguerite uh boss oh, fight yeah. which comes at about the halfway point uh where you, you know up till that point you sort of led to leave, to believe she's just like this bug lady and she uses all these bugs to come after you but then there's the bit where you like uh, you're fighting her in that pit and then you go up you go up the ladder you go up to the roof and like you're up into that top part of the building and then it says like oh you need the lamp to progress so you go back and then you just see you just see like that long arm come out from from mm. uh, in the tunnel and grab the lantern and she like crawls off like proper like like a spider crawls off it's Terrifying. so horrible but it's amazing because i think that boss fight is so fun and it's just like how like how fucked up she gets like it's just <laughs> she goes from the, like this like creepy old lady to just like this big spider demon thing and that that fight is so tense inside the greenhouse like you don't know what angle she's coming from because she can like crawl on the walls and the ceiling and she pops through all these different holes so it's like you have to always be looking like you at your surroundings to sort of find her and i think that's so effective with the first person perspective as well because it's like so much more suspenseful the fact that you have such a limited cone of vision mm-hmm. i completely agree that was also probably the section I found the most scary as well. The dynamics of the fight, the fact that you have a lot of space to run around to hide, but also hiding means that she has more time to lay more nests. And that means more bugs, which means you've got to use up more ammo. And it's a really clever way of really making you think about how you want to play the game, how you want to fight her, because you know you can't hide for too long, but you can't fight for too long. Also, her design is terrifying. This is the second episode of the lag where we've had creepy figures with long arms that makes me uncomfortable (laughs) after little nightmares (laughs) (laughs) terrifying oh it's oh very creepy for me the the weakest fight which i'm not gonna ask you guys for but like the fight with jack when he when you're in that little um pit and you have the chainsaws Mm -hmm. i really disliked that section because i just felt that it was it was just very weak and it was just very dull. There wasn't any space to move around. You just had to sort of like shuffle sideways like a crab and then attack and then shuffle sideways like a crab and then attack. And that was it over and over again. And so when we got to the Marguerite fight and it was like nothing like that previous boss fight, it was, it really hooked me. And I just had a, I had a really great time being terrified. 
<laughs> Can I just say that, like the uh, like you said that the the actual dynamics of the Jack fight in the pit it aren't that interesting. True, but I do love the things he shouts at you during that fight. Yeah, it's just such like a like yeah. He's like so like he's just so into it. I I, I really want to be in the recording booth with the actor who played Jack <laughs> in that scene because it's so good. He's just like hailing insults at you while you're just <laughs> holding the chainsaw trying to back away from him. How many times do we fight Jack? Is it three times at the beginning, then the pit, and then when he transforms into the big thing? That's it's three times, isn't it? Three times, not including uh, end of Zoe DLC. Otherwise, it'd be four oh, times. Oh right. I wasn't sure when to bring this up, but this is probably like one of my biggest complaints about the game is the fact that the story isn't complete without the DLC, which I don't like because you have. You have like a bunch of DLCs, you have the band footage, which are like sort of like, some of them are like just like kind of nice extra fun mini games to play, and some of them sort of add little bits onto the story. Then you also have uh, Not a Hero, which is where you play as Chris Redfield, going through the underground mines and uh, confronting Lucas, who was like the first sort of part of the story that we hadn't wrapped up in the main game. And then you have End of Zoe, where you play as uh, as Jack's brother, Giran punching the enemies, which is really fun. But uh, it wraps up all the like Zoe stuff um, and a little bit of the Jack stuff in the story as well that didn't get a chance to be wrapped up in the game. And I just, uh, I don't know, I just didn't like the fact that you have to buy DLC to get the full story. And so actually, all these loose ends just aren't getting wrapped up otherwise. I didn't get to experience the DLC until like a while after the game came out. So uh, there was one where you're, you're in a bed and Marguerite keeps coming in to feed you. I remember that one and there was, yeah, that was that was horrible. Bedroom is incredible. Yeah, I love Bedroom. It was really, really good. But I, I understand why they didn't put that in the game because it would have just been, you know, too much of a too much of a big segment to just uh, shoehorn in there. But with the Zoe, I didn't get to play that. I had to watch like a YouTube Let's Play of it. I don't understand why they didn't put that in the game as some sort of, you know, extra content for free. Like, yeah, I agree with you. They should have at least like wrapped up the story in the main game. It's just the fact that there's just so many loose ends that don't get like covered until you get the DLC, which is just really frustrating. I think it was, what did you say, Alex, that you hadn't had a chance to play End of Zoe just because like it would have just been you, you spending way more money on the DLC? Yeah, I... I managed to buy a, it was a brand new secondhand copy and I would have paid £5 extra for the DLC that is about an hour long or maybe an hour 20 if we're being nice. Mm. And I was just like, that feels silly. And it's one of those weird things where we can essentially guess why they didn't wrap up those storylines in the game was because by doing that, it would mean that the DLCs didn't have as much value. Mm. But I can see why they couldn't wrap everything up because it is a relatively like large family of you know the bakers so to go through each one of them is uh, a lot uh, if you that's like either four boss fights or you sort out zoe on the side mm. but there are some things where like potentially you could have cut back on some of the jack fights and made them a bit more mean something so because obviously you fight jack so many times and he just won't die <laughs> and maybe he could have just died a bit sooner and then instead you fight Lucas, and then Lucas yeah. actually dies. Potentially, it could have been great, it could have been awful, but we won't know because they decided to push that into a DLC one. That Thankfully, that one was not blocked by a paywall. That one was free, yeah. and I really enjoyed that one. 
but end of Zoe, I, I had to miss out on. I just didn't think it was worth worth the money. Honestly, like you get to punch molded, like your your fists are your main weapon in end of Zoe. That makes it worth the price tag alone for me because it's just amazing <laughs> to go around punching these things that have given you so much grief over the course of the game. And it like wraps up some of the stuff that was sort of left loose, left hanging with Zoe, which is kind of nice. And uh, Jack does come back as a boss for that one, which is. Of course he does. I like it. <laughs> because he can't die. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I do like I do like those DLCs, but like yeah, it's just uh, it is kind of frustrating to have have them blocked behind a paywall. And like uh band footage like uh like Demi said, um bedroom is really good. There's also one there's also one called Daughters which shows like the bakers bringing Evelyn home after the ship crash um and has like, you know, like shows them before they got sort of like poisoned by her influence and all that so that's a really cool one to do as well i i wonder if like after they wrapped the main game that they thought let's give zoe more more screen time but like they put it into a dlc instead because in the game she's there but as like as a way to push the plot like she phones ethan multiple times and then there's the decision to save her or mia at the end which i was not a fan of by the way mm. i don't like it when they put decisions in a survival horror game it makes no sense to me but um that's besides the point um yeah i just wondered if they thought like let's give zoe like some some more screen time in like a dlc and they just didn't have time to put it in the main game because it's like ethan and mia's story isn't it yeah it's a weird one for me because part of me is glad that if if it is a sort of takesy backsy on on kind of using her character badly by being like you're just going to be a voice on the end of a telephone and then you'll be you know the un uncannon choice if ethan saves you in which case you don't get saved anyway and they went let's let's actually make sure that she's safe and we'll give her a bit of a we'll, we'll make her feel a bit better and then they do that by getting some random new male character to come in and just carry her around it doesn't really doesn't really do it for me, you know? It is it is a little frustrating how, like, every female character in this game sort of... I mean, like, you think of Mia, you think, like, for a big portion of the game, I guess, like, I don't know, we could argue about this, but I think um, she might, like, count as, like, a damsel in distress for most of the game just because she's so... Mm. Like, that's literally the whole premise of it is that, you know, you have to go and rescue your wife and, it's you know, it's a bit of a tired trope at this point. Um, mm. I guess like it's kind of subverted a bit later on because you know she's like shown to be this big like top scientist and she's efficient with a handgun and everything like that when you're in the ship but like at the same time like all the other female characters in this game are just a bit like they're not handled that well they're either evil or just like not present like Zoe's just never there Zoe's like the like the like probably the best female character in the game and she's like barely yeah. there uh, then the other female characters Evelyn I guess you could say and then Marguerite they're just evil i am i really like zoe from like what we got of her in seven i was like quite excited for like the rest of game of the game when we did find mia and zoe like handcuffed to the to the gate and we were like about to save them both i was excited because like i thought she'd be with us for the rest of the game and then when when it came to deciding who you should give the cure to and yeah yeah if I had to choose your wife or this woman that has helped you for the entire game I don't understand why they gave us the choice because it's not canon if you save uh Zoe because Mia is alive in eight so uh, yeah I just didn't understand yeah and it doesn't uh it doesn't change your choice doesn't actually change that much like 
all it does is give you an extra boss fight like towards the end of the game that's literally the only difference apart from like the fact yeah. that Mia isn't on the helicopter at the end like that's it like like if you're gonna make a choice like that at least have like the content be a little bit different as you as you continue playing but it's just like mm. there's no real consequences there for your decision and Zoe was like the only baker who wasn't trying to kill you <laughs> for the entire game so I was I was hopeful for a character development but we mm. didn't get it so that was that was a bit of a flaw that I saw in the game I thought I thought the puzzles were a bit crap uh, oh I agree I don't like I, agree. <laughs> I don't like the puzzles that much in Resi 7 like Resi's Resi games have always had really good puzzles but I think in this one the only one I really liked was the happy birthday tape that was so good extremely good but at the same time like all the other puzzles like the shadow puzzles i think they do that like three times i don't care about the shadow puzzles at all yeah there's like one where you have to like get the the fake shotgun into the into the door uh so it opens the door like i didn't really care for stuff like that just felt a bit of a letdown that the puzzles weren't that interesting in this game but i guess it made up for it for the fact that the happy birthday tape is really good yeah I agree. Like, when it comes to Resident Evil games, the backtracking is, like, one of the things that I love. Like, just exploring, coming back to this this door that you need a key for. And it's, like, so exciting when you finally find the key and you can, you can be like, oh my god, I can finally enter this new po- <laughs> this new portion of the map. But with, with Resident Evil 7, the puzzles were just... They were just there. I don't think they thought too much about them and they were trying to focus more on... The, the backtracking aspect, you know, finding the keys to open, like, the weird doors, the scorpion doors, and the... Isn't, isn't there, like, a serpent door in the yeah. cellar, I think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mind that they were bad, but the the birthday puzzle was a highlight of my first playthrough. It was so fun and so creepy. Completely agree. I, I remember when I... Oh, in my first playthrough, when I finished the tape and I was like, oh, okay, that was, that was fun, but a bit irrelevant. And then obviously later in the game you actually come back to it and you're like oh it wasn't just a fun little puzzle on the side it actually is telling me how to beat it here and you can just go about it and it's oh, it's just so clever it is one of the strongest parts of the game and it it really reminds me of saw as well like the whole yeah. Lucas segment like I, I had a thought about this I, I jotted it down um each area like each sort of boss area of the game kind of reminds you of like a it's sort of like a reference to a different horror film so you've got like the main house with Jack, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, obviously, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you've got Marguerite in the old house, Evil Dead, and then you've got Lucas oh. in the barn, uh, Saw. So I thought like that was a really nice way for them to sort of pay homage to different horror themes and different horror films and tropes and all that kind of stuff, um, like in yeah. their own respective areas. That's a cool way of thinking about it. I never thought about that actually. That's cool. I think that's a great place to end. <laughs> the podcast this episode because i think we are all in agreement in that the best thing about resident evil 7 is its horror is its ability to create tension and Mm. you can tell that the people who made it really love horror and maybe loved those three films we we don't know but you're probably right because the inspirations are definitely there yeah absolutely so thank you so much for listening to this episode and thank you so much for joining us demi Before you go, is there anything that you would like to plug your Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at underscore Demi Williams. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Amazing. We'll also have that in the description of wherever you are listening to this episode. Remember, you can subscribe to us 
on your chosen podcast provider. Be sure to check out New Game Plus, which is newgameplus.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter as well at newgameplus underscore UK. You can find me on Twitter at, at Alex underscore Dewing and Ollie. You can find me at Ollie Wrights. And as ever, be sure to keep an eye out for next month in which we will be discussing something. We're not sure yet because I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened a month off does to you. Yeah.